Hello, State of America fans. This is one half of your hosting team, Ian Rice, here to let you know that all of our episodes will now be available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash State of America. So check us out there if you haven't already and keep enjoying the show. Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America, hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of America podcast. I am your host, David, and my other host, Ian, is on the other line via Skype. How are you, Mr. Rice? How are you, sir? I am doing well myself. I am very, very excited about this week's episode, um, but I, I won't uh, dive into what we got in store today just yet, but I am very excited, as I assure you are. Yes, uh, very, very much been looking forward to this one, and we're recording this on Wednesday. It is August the 21st, and uh, today the Magpie Salute pre-order came out for the vinyl, the CD, the digital download. Uh, I think there's a koozie, there's a uh, vinyl mat there, a record washing package, uh, pretty much anything that you could put Magpie Salute on. It sounds like they've got those bases covered, and <laughs> Ian, I went ahead and ordered uh, my copy of the vinyl. How about you? I um, I saw the link. I was at uh, work, unfortunately. So, uh, but I will be pre-ordering definitely. I, you know, a lot of times, and I, I did end up buying them in the long run. But like when the first record came out, not the first record, but the first High Water record, um, you know, it was on this colored vinyl and that colored vinyl. But ultimately, I, I I'm a black vinyl kind of guy. I really ultimately prefer it. Um, but I will be ordering one for myself on vinyl and one copy for, to uh, give to uh, a lucky listener, just to uh, foreshadow that a little bit. Yeah, so stay tuned on that one. I guess uh, maybe the day we'll record maybe a, a instant review or something the day that it comes out and give us give you our instant thoughts on it and. Those will likely change over time, as most good records usually cause that to happen. Uh, so the single is officially out. It's out there now for everybody to hear, and it's called In Here. And the EP will be coming out in a couple of weeks with a song called Passenger and a song called Lost Boy. But uh, Ian, I really like uh, the song that they chose to lead off with in, in here. A little bit of a different take. It's got horns on it, and uh, Matt Slocum's keys are featured a little more prominently than they normally are. Uh, all in all, um, a, a great just uh, standout rock song. And I don't think you can call it anything else, just a great rock song. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's got, you know, it draws on a lot of different styles and, and elements, and definitely uh, Matt's uh, excellent piano playing is up in the front on that one. And the horns, uh, yeah, that threw me off. I wasn't expecting that, but it was great. Uh, you know, I haven't, uh, I always liked when the, uh, the crows would uh, get the horns involved. You know, it was always a great thing. Whether it was uh, Go Tell the Congregation or uh, Halfway to Everywhere. Yes, I'm actually partial to um, Welcome to the Good Times the, uh, with the horns. I always liked that tune. 
That was like a by your side standout for me. That is a song that uh, apparently I'm in the minority on that it just never really has done a lot for me, but I know a lot of people really like it. I I, I always I liked it on the original record and then, you know, I, I came to appreciate the uh, acoustic version a bit more, but somebody um once likened it to a, it sounded song that the band would do and approaching it from that angle made me appreciate it even more because i pictured you know levon singing it or something you know and i kind of gave it a whole new uh, perspective oh they, i i can totally see that now i will admit this uh it's really good on the uh, freaking roll dvd and yes. uh because you have uh whatever that backing band is they have uh that brass band with them so was that the dirty dozen on that one i'm not sure i can't remember I'm not sure, but yeah, I really like the song. It's got me excited about October. Uh, it's got me excited about, uh, you know, the Magpie Salute again. And uh, I haven't heard anything really negative about the song yet. Have you? No. And, uh, you know, it seems to be universally well-liked, at least amongst the fans. Um, it seems to me something that would be more apt to draw in outside people. You know what I mean? It's a little more straightforward. Reduction's a little more clean. I'm very excited about the EP, uh, you know, for two reasons. One, it has Lost Boy on it, which is uh, a song by Mark that's been, you know, kicking around because I think he played it live once or twice. um, And I've always wanted to hear that. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the second song on that EP uh, is a track called Passenger. And that doesn't seem to be on the final track listing for High Water 2. So that that makes that EP unique in that way too. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I was wondering if there were going to be songs left off the uh, the main release because I listened to an interview with Rich today, and he talked about how they recorded X number of songs two years ago, or, or yeah, two years ago, whenever they recorded High Water. He wanted it to be a double album, and then ultimately it was decided that it shouldn't be one. And so they were over in Europe, and it sounds like they cut three or four songs in Europe. And so I'm wondering if Passenger was one of the songs that was, would have initially been on High Water 2 and got bumped. You know, it might have been. I also, from my understanding, um, that the cover that they released on Record Store Day, the cover of uh, Echo and the Bunnymen's Killing Moon, um, was in the running to be on that album. Because when I saw them live, Rich said, oh, this is a song that might be on the next album, you know, and... And I wasn't familiar with the track. I actually thought it was an original until uh, some people set me straight. <laughs> yeah, I had honestly never heard of the song before until that came out on uh, was it Record Store Day? Yeah, yeah. I got that. But over- again, it's another one of those tracks that their version beats out the original for me. So you know, not that I, I actually bought the um, Echo and the Bunnymen album because of that cover, just to see what it was all about, and I, I just prefer the Magpie version. Yeah, uh, the the crows and magpie have a knack at doing that <laughs> of uh, like uh, coming home. I, I like their version better than the original. Um, hey, I do want to thank everybody that's been listening and downloading and uh, emailing us and reaching out to us on social media. Uh, we are very much appreciative of it, and uh, all of you that are reaching out wanting to come on, uh, we're we're keeping your. Your email uh, set aside, and when the time is right, hopefully we'll be able to work everybody in. Uh, Ian, people have been clamoring for us to do some interviews, and we uh, had kind of teased like uh, a couple episodes ago 
that was going to happen, but you have to wait until certain people are ready to talk. And so um, that happened this week. So why don't you tell everybody kind of how uh, how we came about and, and, and who we are going to interview? Absolutely. I do just want to be preemptive in saying that uh, so episodes 1 to 11, everybody that's been listening, writing to us, letting us know how much you like it, we greatly appreciate it. Um, episode 12 that you're currently listening to, this episode, we have our first interview with somebody that's um, within the uh, one of the camps of the Black Crows universe, and he's a very, very talented man and a very, very kind man. He was he was great to speak to. We had a real pleasure talking to him. Our first uh, official member guest is none other than Mr. Matt Slocum of the Magpie Salute. Yeah, so a big thank you for Matt. He's a busy guy uh, juggling a, a, a tour with different bands right now, and uh, he took a few minutes, about 20 minutes, I think, out of his schedule to uh, give to us, and we really appreciate that. There is some Magpie content is in there, as you expect, and there's some uh, con- asking some questions about some other things in his career because he has played with a lot of people. Um, do tell you we did this over Skype, and there's going to be a couple of moments where his voice is a little rough, Anytime you're recording over Skype, sometimes that can happen. So uh, rest assured, uh, the interview continues to go on. If you hear his sound like he's slurring his words or he gets cut off or whatever, it will, uh, it'll will it be all right. And we do appreciate Matt uh, coming on. And he's the first of what we hope to be uh, a lot of guests. And um, Ian, anything else before we throw to the interview? Yeah, I know we mentioned this, you know, at the tail end of the interview, but I just do want to throw it out there again. Uh, Magpie Salutes High Water 2 does hit stores on October 19th, and you can catch uh, Mr. Matt Slocum out on tour with uh, Jimmy Herring and the Five of Seven Band. And that tour starts on September 12th in Denver and runs through mid-October. And uh, get your tickets for that if it's uh, coming through your area. All right, everybody, here you go. Matt Slocum of the Magpie Salute. here with a very special guest uh, this week. Uh, this is, will be episode 12 of our podcast, and we know a lot of you have been asking us for interviews, and we told you that those were going to happen. We just have to uh, wait for the right time. And uh, we got a great response from uh, an individual that I reached out to uh, probably about two weeks ago uh, that agreed to do an interview with us, and it is uh, a great honor and a real pleasure to have with us from the Magpie Salute, Mr. Matt Slocum. Welcome, Matt. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, guys. How are you? Oh, uh, we are well. We are well. How are things over in Birmingham? Hot? Yes, it's hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like ninety-seven degrees and humid, and I just don't even want to go outside. I hear you, man. I live I live in Jackson, Mississippi, which is about three hours away from you, and uh, you know it's heat index of one hundred and ten every day. It seems. 
So uh, we, we want to be respectful of your time and, and, and not take advantage of your time. So if it's all right with you, we'll just dive right into some questions with you. Sounds good. All right. In a recent article, you had talked about how when you were playing with Rich, there was a lot of uh, uh, improvised music that came out of that. And just I was just wondering, when you joined Magpie, did that same situation transfer over to that group? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, Rich is a great songwriter, obviously. And um, so whatever band, I, pl- I played with him in his solo band and played with him in Magpie. Um, you know, we there's definitely song oriented band that had sections where we would um, improvise and jam and rich you know you know he definitely knew what he wanted but at the same time he wanted to allow you to um to improvise and do your own thing uh but you had to be tasteful with it you know what i mean you couldn't just go playing all over the place it wasn't just like sun raw improvising um but yeah, I mean, definitely the same thing with Magpie. You kind of find out where your spots are and where it is, and and you know, one of the songs actually, um, uh, was uh, the one of the tunes that we opened like I think every show with on this last tour, uh, where the very end of it was just like a big jam session, total improvising, like everybody going for it, which. Uh, cool that we got to do that the the magpie salute kind of was born out of rich's second uh woodstock sessions in the summer of 2016 and that's when uh mark ford and ed harsh kind of came back into the mix what was your experience playing with ed harsh oh man oh man i'm so glad i got to meet and play with him because that guy not only is he, I mean, he's a badass musician. Like, he played with so many people, studied classical music, and could play classical. I mean, the guy was amazing. I had never met him before. And so we were out on that tour, and that kind of came up, at least for me, not last minute, but it wasn't like planned out before the tour as long as I know as far as I know you know we were going to do the Woodstock thing and then it kind of like let's invite Mark and we had Nico with us already and Sven was there already with Rich solo band and then he was like let's get Mark come and and let's get Eddie too man and we'll just like make it let's just have fun and like and it turned into what we know now as the Magpie Salute is the first recording that we did live there so but I got to play with Eddie. Like we have all the keyboards set up there and a piano and an organ, a clavinet and a keyboard. And, and he and I just like hung out the whole weekend behind those keyboards and outside smoking cigarettes and uh, <laughs> just hung out the whole weekend. We, I, I think he really liked me and I totally loved hanging out with him. It's awesome. I missed that guy <laughs> and I only knew him. We all do. We all do. He he added so much, um, you know, so much to that band. And when I think of of bands that have you know keyboardists and piano players that really contribute so much to the sound, I think of John Lord with Deep Purple and Steve Winwood with Traffic, and then Ben Tench with uh, you know Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And I throw Eddie Harsh in there. And there's been other people that have attempted to play his parts. And honestly, amongst a lot of the Black Crows fans, they've been crucified, rightly or wrongly. You seem to have played that material with such reverence. I have never heard anybody complain about your playing of those Crows songs, in particular Ed's parts. 
Have you ever felt pressure, though, when it comes to playing those? <laughs> Every night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, um, look, I mean, I take, I take music serious, man. I mean, I don't take myself serious, but I take music serious. And um, those parts were integral parts to that music and um you know i'm not i can't comment on anybody else or what anybody else did no clue that's nothing nothing to do with me but rich asked me to approach some of those specific parts as if you know eddie was playing them and and i take that serious man and i put my heart into learning note for note what eddie did as best as i could which you know basically impossible but I, i learned it as note for note and then just tried to incorporate that into myself so that I could basically do what he did, not try to be him. Cause I gotta be me, you know, but at the same time I put my heart energy and sweat into trying to play the song the way it was meant to be played and to give respect to, to Eddie, man. Cause I really respect that guy. And, um, and it was an honor to play that stuff. But, man, every time we go out and play, like, Descending, I was nervous as hell because I wanted to play it the way Eddie would be proud if, if he were there and be side stage and go, man, that was awesome, man, you know. But <laughs> at the same time, to be me. Right. And, um, you know, if that makes any sense, like. No, it definitely makes sense. It would seem it would be. A fine line to walk with, you know, getting enough of his spirit into it, but also putting your own stamp on it. Exactly. When it uh, when it came time to write the material for what would become what's now, you know, the the two High Water One and High Water Two, uh, how much input did you have into the process? In the writing, not really anything in the writing other than uh, I mean, Rich write all the songs and you know mark had some songs and i think the two of them collaborated on some songs like on the new stuff like high water one and two definitely um but um no i i wasn't i wasn't involved in the writing of the songs you know i think that possibly um what here's the thing okay so then then we go in the studio the songs are written and we, and we go in the studio and like i put my thing on it that maybe rich wasn't thinking it would go that you know like so if if you, i guess like i didn't have anything to do with the writing but maybe i had to do with somehow the way it sounded in the end if that makes any sense at all like you know like i put my organ part on it and that was cool i played it like this because everybody's different everybody's got their own vibe and their own way of doing things so but i didn't have anything to do per se with the writing okay well, also, uh, Matt, when you were uh, uh, playing in Rich's solo band and with the Magpie, you started doing some road work with uh, Railroad Earth. How did you hook up with those guys, and kind of what's some of the highlights of, of those shows that you played with them? Okay, well, um, you know, unfortunately, one of their bandmates, an incredible musician, played like 10 instruments, passed away this past year. And, and while he had cancer, that was plaguing bad. And when it got pretty bad and they found out about it, he had to do chemotherapy. And I knew the bass player, Andrew Altman from back in 
to live in Atlanta. Me being in Birmingham, I go to Atlanta, and I know all the guys in Atlanta. And so I knew him from years ago before he moved up to uh, New York area, where railroad, New Jersey, where Railroad Earth is from. Anyway, they wanted to um, get someone to fill in his spots while he was doing chemo. Didn't want who played the exact same instruments and feel like they were replacing him. So they thought, hey, well, let's just go in a whole new direction and we'll get some keyboards because they don't have keyboards at all. And so Drew called me up and said, hey, would you want to play with us? And I did, and I started playing with them. That was the summer of 2017. And I would have to say, one that really sticks out to me um, was, uh, you know, we headlined um, Red Rocks. And I had played there before when I played with O'Teal and the Peacemakers, but we were like the first of three. And this was like, you know, real cool experience. You mentioned um, O'Teal and the Peacemakers. I know that uh, you spent a considerable amount of time, uh, you know, touring with them. Um, how did that all come to be? And, and, and what did that, you know, what were your experiences with, uh, with that band? Oh man, that's like that band is like so close to my heart um, because I really like pretty much who got me opened the door for me uh, as far as like playing nationally and internationally, you know. But he lived in Birmingham, b- believe it or not. Bur- uh, O'Teal Burbridge, you, you know, he's playing with the Dead and Company, and he played with the Allman Brothers and Aquarium Rescue, and everybody. He lived in Birmingham for like sixteen years, and. I was playing with this cover band. Um, no, I was, excuse me. I was playing with this like jam band back in the day, and we did a gig opening up for this other kind of crazy fusion band called the Psycho Cats. <laughs> and um, after we finished playing, this band called Gypsy Sun, I was in, and it was a fun band. We were just original jam band, you know. We after we finished playing, these guys in the Psycho Cats. They said, hey, man, who are you? Why don't, why don't you come sit in with us? And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. My stuff's already set up. This was like 98. And um, and they said, oh, yeah, and by the way, O'Till Burbage is coming to sit in for the show. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I didn't know he lived in Birmingham at the time. But you know what's funny, though? He came and sat in. He played drums the whole night. He wow. didn't play bass. And I thought there... I remember thinking on that gig, dude, I remember this, going, man, I would love to play with him. I'm sitting there playing keyboards, looking over at O'Teal behind the drum kit, and I'm like, man, he's done. There's no way he'd ever want me to play with him. And, um, you know, so that night ended and a couple years passed, and all of a sudden I got a call from him because he needed a keyboard player because Kofi was with Derek Trucks, man. So Now, that relationship with him, is that what led to you uh, doing some work with uh, Susan Tedeschi? Yeah, d- definitely. O'Teal got me the gig. Was all the funny thing about it is Susan and I are from the same town in Massachusetts, Norwell, Massachusetts. And uh, so I knew her growing up from that from there i mean she and my brother were the same age and in high school together i was in junior high or whatever but i knew her because she was like playing gigs around town and we were in the battle of the bands and stuff back in there you know i'm like 12 years old and and she's like 16 or 17 and like that's like right when she was really starting about to blow up she had that first record that went gold and but anyway but yeah 
O'Teal called me after the Peacemakers broke up because it just wasn't, you know, it kind of just ran its course. And he called me up and was like, man, I got a gig for you. And Susan Tedeschi is going to give you a call here soon. And, and you know, because Susan's married to Derek and Derek's in the Allman Brothers and O'Teal was in the Allman Brothers. And it was just sort of this, man, everybody I play with sort of this incestual group of musicians. <laughs> you know, we all play with each other. In reading about all the different uh, gigs you've had, it's funny how so many of them intertwine with each other. It's got to be a, a, a really cool experience looking back yeah. on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of it has to do, for me, with Colonel Bruce Hampton, sort of like the man behind the scenes and also in the front, uh, you know, like, because everybody I've played with has some sort of tie to Colonel Bruce, even Railroad Earth through Andrew Altman, because Drew played with Colonel. So, um, yeah, he's definitely, you know, tied to that but yeah i mean through him i've met all the other people i've played with and then you know like getting to play with john mclaughlin a couple years in touring doing this new thing you know that that was because i was playing with jimmy and i met jimmy from when he came and sat in with the peacemakers back in the day on a tour and, and then he like asked if i wanted to you know, record a record with him and it, you know this it just all sort of came from all that one of the more um, interesting groups I saw that you had uh, done some time with was uh, the Lee Boys, which were kind of like a uh, had some gospel roots, but yeah. they they did the funky jam kind of thing. Um, how did you how did you get involved with them? Well, um, let me say you know they got the gospel playing basically the music that they play in church. Uh, so I mean that's their church music. <laughs> Is like for real, and uh, and kind of it's the same church that Robert Randolph came from, and the Campbell brothers. If you go way back, and um, when I was with uh, uh, the Peacemakers with O'Teal, uh, somehow he his management um, was in touch with them or heard of them, and we ended up putting this um, tour together where the Lee Boys opened for the Peacemakers. And, you know, there'd be times on gigs where we, one of them would sit in with us or one of us would sit in with them. And I got to know them. And those are awesome guys, man. I love the Lee Boys. And um, I have, was fortunate to be able to record a record with them and also do some tours with them, you know, which is actually where I met this guy, Rick Lawler. Uh, I met him through the Lee Boys. And now I play with Rick a bunch. He's another guy out of Atlanta, pretty much now based out of Atlanta. But uh, yeah, that's how I met this through playing with O'Teal. Well, I know coming up this fall, you're going out with Jimmy Herring in a band called the Five of Seven. Uh, what can we kind of expect from that? Because I know you're you're coming through here in Jackson. I plan on on coming. What what can I look forward to? Man, that's going to be awesome. Uh, um. Yeah, I'd be glad to meet you, buddy. Um, so the seven, I was just talking about Rick Lawler. It's uh, basically, so um, basically this guy, Rick Lawler, plays guitar, amazing guitar player and singer. Um, and then Kevin Scott on bass, who did the last tour with Jimmy Herring with me. Um, and then Darren Stanley, amazing, played with Colonel Bruce forever. Um, and then me and Jimmy, 
and so it's, that's the group, the five of us, and um, it's going to be a mix of Jimmy's tunes, tunes that Rick and Kevin and I have written together, and some of Rick's own tunes. Um, you know, just a mix of all of our stuff with Jimmy's, but also some stuff with vocals. Every time that we've gone out with Jimmy um, and had vocals, usually uh, it's just instrumental stuff. So cool. So we've got the vocal stuff in there. It's going to be, you know, definitely blues, funk, fusion, rock kind of. Um, um, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> We just had rehearsal this, this Monday, and I just got back. I guess I got back Tuesday from that. So I do one more rehearsal, and then we go out, like, you know, first week of uh, September. That sounds fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, I'm up in uh, New York, but you guys are swinging through the, the Brooklyn Bowl at the end of September, so I'm definitely going to be checking that out for sure. Um, if I could... Swing back to the Magpie for for one last thing. You got the record coming out in October. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, you know, High Water One came out like August tenth of you know last year, and honestly, when these meant to be a double album, um, it was going to be one double album, and I think, you know, the powers that be decided that it wasn't. So um, when we recorded all of high water one and high water two basically at the same time uh, like 26 songs um and then like i said for, for whatever reasons that i'm not involved in it ended up being two records instead of one double record so high water came out i love that word. i love the stuff on there and then we got high water two that's coming out which also we, you know, we had gone back in the studio during our, in the middle of our touring last year, like around right before Christmas, we went to Wales and recorded um, at this studio. I think it was Rockfield. Am I saying that wrong? I'm not going to embarrass myself, but <laughs> famous studio where like, you know, Queen recorded Bohemian Rhapsody and all that. Um, and we recorded like three or four more songs. Um, and, then, and so, I don't honestly know which of all that stuff that we recorded is. I haven't even heard it yet. I've I've only heard the um, the single that's um, and and so the rest of the stuff. I mean, I played on it. Right. Um, it's going to be great stuff, like it always. I mean, Rich is amazing. So I always I love the way he writes. I love the way he plays, and um, you know. You guys, all you Magpie Magpie fans are going to be totally stoked with it, you know, just like I will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, um, we, we've we gone a little bit past the time I told you, but um, it was a real honor for, to speak with you and, and a privilege, and we really appreciate you uh, taking a few moments to, uh, to talk to us. I know everybody out there is always anxious to hear uh, from members of the Magpie and then all the other stuff that you have going on. And, we will say that the new album, High Water 2, comes out October 19th. And then Jimmy Herring and the 5 of 7 tour starts September the 12th in Denver and goes through October. And uh, Ian will be swinging by to see you, hopefully, at the Brooklyn Bowl uh, on September the 28th. Matt, it was a real pleasure. An absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Great talking to you and meeting you. I do want to tell everybody to play us out this week is the latest single from the Magpie Salute. 
like I said, the album will be out in October. The song is in here. Stay tall, everyone. Yeah.